This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, let's go ahead and pray. We're going to be uh, reading out of Philippians chapter 2. We're going to move forward and continue allowing the text to determine the topic. And we are in the book of Philippians, and we're in chapter 2. But let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you help us this morning to hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, help us to be like that wise man who built his house on the rock. And Lord, we know that, yes, you are the rock. But Lord, when you gave that story... The rock was the person who heard your words and then acted on it. So obedience is like uh, that thing that we, uh, the foundation that we build our house on. The Lord, obeying your word, listening to your spirit, and obeying your word. We thank you, Father. Give us that. Give us the uh, the desire to follow after you, like we sang in the songs. Lord, help us to live out the songs that we live. Uh, live out the. Live out how we sing our songs, Father. Lord, help us not to be uh, different. Then we say that we love you on Sunday, but we don't really live for you Monday through Saturday. Help us to be that kind of church every day. We love you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, 19. I'm going to do a little reading. Uh, This may seem like this is the boring part of the book of Philippians, but I'm telling you the Lord's going to bring two things out. I believe that he would want us to hear and to act on. If the Lord, and you remember Paul is writing to um, the church in Philippi. He's in prison. He's writing to Christians. He's not writing to non-Christians. Uh, he's in chains. Uh, he's been trying to send them words of encouragement. It's a personal letter, a letter sent personally to this church. And he's going to name some names in this church, personal letters. But So how does it apply to us? Is I believe we can extrapolate some really good principles and uh, begin to apply it into our lives. So again, probably most most likely the the whole book of Philippians, the whole letter was written in one setting. It wasn't broken down week after week. Well, we're going to only read the first paragraph in week one. It probably was not done that way. The way we're doing it, it was probably read in its entirety. So now we're coming to a section where it's personal and direct, and there are two men who are named. Let's go ahead and read it. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send... Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself Like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Meanwhile, in verse 25, I thought I should send uh, Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you, and he was very distressed that you, 
that you heard he was ill. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have one sorrow after another. So I am more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be worried about you. Welcome him in the Lord, in the Lord's love with great joy, and give him the honor that people like him deserve. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. What a powerful, powerful letter written about two people to a church specifically. And then we're going to ask the Lord, Lord, how does this pertain to us? How are we supposed to read this scripture? Well, we know that it was written at a certain time to a certain people. And so we have to extrapolate maybe a truth that God is sending to us. My first point I would like to make is about spiritual fathers and mothers. Paul writes, if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit that he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. So who was Timothy? Timothy was Paul's, I'd call him a protege, led by Christ, probably um, by Paul himself, led to the Lord. He was Paul's companion on many trips and many crucial missions. Timothy was with him. And this is one example where Paul's in prison and he can't go to the, to the church in Philippi, so he writes this letter and he says that soon he will send Timothy in its place. But this is one thing I'd like for us to take note of. Like a son with his father, he has served with me. Timothy was Paul's spiritual son, and Paul was his spiritual father. And the question I have for us is, do you have that type of person in your life? A spiritual father or mother? Someone who's pouring into you in the areas that matter most in your life? Who is encouraging you to uh, read the word and pray and seek God and, and, and come and fellowship together and be part of the body of Christ? So I'm going to ask you a question. To just kind of raise your hands and I'm going to ask you a couple questions. Um, is, there an, is there someone in your life in general, not necessarily spiritual, but in general, a mentor who's given you some sort of advice on a daily, weekly basis? Yes. Um, podcasts don't count. I'm just kidding. A marketplace mentor to give you some resume advice. Someone who could help you in your career. Someone who might help you in opening doors or help you in networking. You know, I know a lot of friends that, that join the Rotary and, and organizations like that for that very reason. To network and to get mentorship and to get a foot in the door. Those are all good things. Anybody have a personal fitness trainer? I'm not raising my hand. I'm just encouraging you to raise your hand. I don't need one, all right? This, this happens naturally. Someone who helps you to uh, how to address weight loss and nutrition. I have a friend of mine that she interned with us, and you know she posts on Instagram, and she's always uh, you know, telling me that she's going to this gym right up the, the street. She has someone to help her. And uh, to, to uh, dress, you know, to gain muscle ma- uh, mass and all that. 
Anybody ever get a tutor for your LSAT or MCAT or some sort of postgraduate work? Usually we, we go to classes or we'll find someone or get a really good book or watch a lot of good YouTubes or stuff like that. Financial planners, you don't have to raise your hand because then we know, oh, hey. Um, I like to post a joke every so often on, on social media. My financial planner is Rob, Peter, Pay, Paul. Um, some people get it, others don't. I think you have to be older to, to appreciate it. But who do we have in the area that I think is most crucial is a spiritual mentor. One that speaks to your relationship with Christ would would challenge you about what you might be watching or uh, what you're not reading or you should be reading or someone who's just there to help you so that you can uh, progress in your journey with Jesus. Someone who could say, hey, how you're treating your spouse is not very Christ-like. So what we're trying to do here at our church is to help people grow in their journey with Jesus. It's not enough just to be a Christian parent, but we're going to encourage you to be parenting Christian-like, Christ-like. There's a difference. We're not asking to you, for you to be a, just a Christian teacher, but to teach Christ-like. Or a Christian engineer. But we would encourage you to be doing engineering work in a Christ-like manner. Or a Christian nurse. They're all over the place. But what we hope here is that you would be doing nursing in a way that's Christ-like. Is there anyone in your life that's helping you think through life and help you? One of the things I challenge you, and we have a lot of young families, and you can tell when the music goes. <laughs> I just love that sound, don't you? Is that who is helping you as a parent? You know, when my wife and I showed up to Tallahassee, we didn't have anybody. We had each other. Uh, we had Dr. Dob Dobson. Anybody remember Dr. Dobson? That's who we had. Uh, he was a radio guy, Christian, and talked about uh, Bible principles and raising children. But I pray that you're not trying to figure it out on your own and that you're not so defensive that you won't allow someone to speak into your life. We need each other. So I pray that in your journey with Jesus, someone is speaking into your life about what it's, you know, being a parent in a Christ-like manner, in your vocation, in your growth, in your personal relationship with God. One of the reasons I look so fit, just so you know, um, I was convicted by the Ethiopian eunuch um, I think I'm getting my story right, where if, if, we, if I had to get out of that carriage to run with him, could I? And when I read that scripture, the answer was no, I couldn't. And so I began to try to get a little bit more active and, and play soccer, but I needed someone to help me in that area. Do you have a spiritual mentor, a spiritual coach, a, a spiritual father or mother? We live such busy lives, it's tough to do that. Too many of us probably don't have a Timothy uh, or, or a Paul in our lives. One of the things I'm always challenging our, 
our campus missionaries, our campus pastors all across the southeast and all across the country, is that in, in campus ministry called Kayafa, we believe in discipleship. We believe in disciples who make disciples, but there is a little bit of a blind spot in our campus ministry is that they tend to be the top of the heap. They're always mentoring down to students or student leaders or staff. And so my question to them was, who is discipling you? I literally asked a question in a conference with 150 campus pastors. Are you, raise your hand if you're in a small group where you're not the head person, that you're there for someone to mentor you. And I only had about six people raise their hand out of the 150. So we believe in discipleship, but it's, it's I, I want Timothy's. I don't, they're not looking for Paul's in your life. So the challenge for us is, is, are there people in our lives that we are pouring into and someone is pouring into us? This is part of, this is part of the, uh, the spiritual food chain, if you will, in the family of God is that we're pouring into people and we're allowing pour, people to pour into our lives. One thing I, I appreciate about you coming to Mosaic Church, and I know it's a challenge sometimes, it would be nice, I think, to sometimes go to a church where nobody knows if you showed up or you didn't. I have family members that go to big churches, and no one knows if they're there or not. And I, I get the temptation to be in a situation like that. And so coming to a smaller church, you know, uh, I'll notice if you've not been around for a couple of weeks and you know, might get a text, hey, things are going okay. You, you are literally placing yourself in a situation where somebody's caring about you. I think, I think I would tip my hat to you because I know the temptation would be just to hide and nobody, nobody would know any different. So thank you. But we need Pauls in our life and we need Timothys that we can pour into. And everybody can be in this role. There's someone who's just barely new in their journey with Jesus. You can help them. You know, you've been following Jesus for a year. And you've grown that year. You can help someone who's just starting out. I believe God's calling us to, to be careful not to ignore our responsibilities of being uh, a Paul to a Timothy and allow someone to be a Paul to us. I, I don't have time, but I could read on and on of all the people that have had um, spiritual fathers or mothers in their life. I'm thinking a few of, of uh, Jethro mentored Moses, and, and Moses mentored Joshua, and Elijah mentored Elisha, Naomi, Ruth, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, turned to her older cousin Elizabeth. And then Jesus takes on the 120, focuses on, on 70, and then really focuses on the 12. And then he had his close three that he really focused on. Barnabas mentored Paul. And now we see Paul mentoring Timothy. In Titus chapter 2, it says uh, this. Teach the older women to teach what is good. Then they can train the younger women, similarly encourage the young men to do the same. This is not something that would be nice to happen in church. This was something that needed to happen. It was supposed to happen. There should be people that we're pouring into and people that are pouring into our own lives. 
Typically, it happens on a one-on-one -on -one scenario, but I would say at minimum in a small group setting. So on this particular Wednesday, we start in a few days, uh, we are having uh, small groups. It is uh, more than just a fellowship group. We're going to be learning about the, the book of Mark. But at the same time, it's going to be praying for one another, encouraging one another, and challenging one another. Even though I'm the pastor of this church, that does not mean I don't need people in my life encouraging me. There are all of you, I can, and, and today I see the whole crowd, I can see everybody. You encourage me in one way or another to be a better believer. And I want to say thank you. I need you in my life. I pray that you need me in your life. But I, we need each other. You bring something uh, to my, my life that I didn't have, or, or you bring out something in my life that I, I didn't have before. I don't mean to embarrass him, but I, I told that to my daughter-in-law that I appreciate her because I see a side of my son that I've never seen before, and I don't think I would ever have seen it if it wasn't for her being in his life. And she's brought out some even more beautiful things that I, I didn't see or wasn't able to bring out myself. So thank you to my two daughter-in-laws and to my son-in-law downstairs. And I think their parents would say the same. So how do we get into life? I think there's three steps that we can take. Uh, you need to know that you have a need, right? Um... You need someone who's willing to pray with you and encourage you. Do you know that you need a mentor? The answer is yes, we all need it. But what in particular do you need help in training or encouragement or challenging? Is it, is it the area of, of parenting in Christ-like manner? Is it, you know, uh, devotional time? Maybe it's not as good. Or maybe there's an area of, of sin, sin that keeps um, grasping at you. Maybe you need someone to help you in those areas. So you need to know that you need uh, help. We all need help. The second thing is you have to find that right person. You have to sign, find someone who's got the right uh, skill set to help you. You know, if you're drowning, you don't need to grab onto someone else who's drowning. You, know, you need to hold on to someone who's already in the boat or can hand it to you a life preserver and help you. And so that's why I think, you, you know, people who are older, they've been through life. And uh, uh, Sister Rosa is here this morning, but I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for Sister Rosa being here in our church because she brings a lot of wisdom and spiritual maturity that she can, you could talk to her and she, could, she can help you in, in the name of Christ because she's, uh, she's lived some life. So we need to find that right person who's got the competency to help us. So how do you know if you're really nailing it? If you're really knocking it out of the park in the area of parenting? But typically, we can know by the kids, all right? So that's, that's number one. So. But two, but is there someone there? You say, you know, uh, have you ever asked someone, like, how am I doing in the parenting business? What's your perception of our parenting? Or how am I doing in, in this? You know, I imagine we have a lot of school teachers. How are you doing in teaching? I imagine there's evaluations, and someone comes in and evaluates how you're doing. Or in your job, I imagine there's evaluations, so I would challenge you to make sure you put yourself in situations, ask someone to evaluate where your life is in areas that 
work's not going to provide an evaluator for parenting or marriage skills or your journey with Jesus where you're at. So find a person, talk to them, and see if they can help you. And I pray that if someone comes to you, that you'd be willing to say yes. And of course, you set your boundaries, and you can, and you can only do what you can. And the other thing, too, is you're looking for chemistry. You're going to get along, this person, a good listener. I try to be a good listener. My wife's helping me to be a better listener. But find someone who can truly help you in your journey with Jesus. You need a Paul in your life. I need a Paul in my life. And we need Timothys that we can pour into. I can't stress that enough. Let's move on to a second point. In verse 25, if you look carefully in your, your Bible, meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He is a true brother, a co-worker, and fellow soldier. And he was your messenger to help me in my need. I am sending him because he has been longing to see you and he is very distressed that you heard he was sick. And yes, he was sick. In fact, he almost died, but God had mercy on him and also on me so that I would not have to have sorrow one after another. But I'm anxious to send him back to you for I know you will be glad to see him. And then I will not be so worried about you. Welcome him with Christian love and with joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. One thing I think should actually be a culture in our church here at Mosaic Church is a culture of honor. Honor those who have been uh, living out the journey of, for, uh, in Jesus for a while. That's why I'm always more impressed personally to see um, grandmas and grandpas and great-grandmothers and grandfathers still worshiping Jesus. You know, they may not be able to jump for Jesus, but they're here and they're still serving him. That to me is, is really impressive. Although I do enjoy the atmosphere of being around a bunch of college students that are making the, the Civic Center bounce because they're so excited for Jesus. But I honor those saints who've gone before us. Meanwhile, I thought I should send you Epaphroditus. He is a true believer, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. And one of our things that we should really adopt in our culture at, at the church is honor those who are the Epaphroditus in our midst. Today, I'd like to honor a person in our midst, and it happens to be his birthday, Dr. Christopher, right there. Let's give him a nice hand. We don't know much about Epaphroditus, but what we do know of him, that Paul speaks highly of him. He's a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. And I could say the exact same thing about Dr. Christopher. I feel like he is, to me, a true friend, a brother, and a fellow soldier, and a co-worker. I could say that to about all our elders, but today I want to honor him because it's his birthday as well. Someone who has fought the fight, is fighting the fight, and will continue to fight the fight. And so one of the great themes of the early church, 
and that we see it in the Bible as those who should be honored are honored. A good friend of mine who is Nigerian, uh, Tunde, he would tell me that in Nigeria, they always bow to the person who's older. You know, like, hello, uh, hello, pastor, you know, so-and-so, hello, brother, so-and-so. And, and it didn't matter. As long as they were older, there was this culture of honor just based on age. I said, well, what do you do if you have a whole church of older people? Because you bow a lot. And, and the older the person, the deeper the bow. So like, wow. Um, but you know what that guy did one time, um, Tunde? It was after the service. And, and I saw him hanging around, you know, like 10 yards from me. And usually 10 yards from me, wherever I move, and they follow, that means they want to talk to me. And they're trying to find the right time and moment to talk to me. And so he literally followed me. I didn't, it's like, I noticed it, but I didn't notice it. And then I was at my car at the parking lot. And I noticed that he was like 10 yards from me. I go, Tunde, do you want to say anything? He goes, no, no, no. I just want to make sure that you make it to your car safely. And that impacted me so much. To this day, I still remember that. Now, nobody needs to do that today, all right? <laughs> uh, my car's right there. But it was a culture of honor, so built in, into his culture of the church, to honor those who have fought the fight. Paul says Epaphroditus was a true brother, a co-worker, and a fellow soldier. And at the end, he says, for he risked his life for the work of Christ, even to the point of death, while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. And one of the marks of an early church culture is the culture of honor. Now today, uh, this afternoon, there's a basketball game, FSU versus Duke, women's basketball. And they're going to honor Coach Sue Sumrall. She's a good friend of mine. So they're going to honor her for the years that she spent as the head coach at Florida State. Of course, she was a winning coach. Uh, she's won you know, uh, accolades throughout her tenure there. But uh, even, even universities that aren't really Christ-like are spending time to honor those who deserve honor. So I, I honor Florida State for honoring Dr. Sue. So I think this, we cannot stop at just at honoring Epaphroditus, but we need to make it part of our culture, make it part of our DNA, the fabric of our community. Honor men and women who are like this. And I know we don't really do this often, but we should. We should. I think of our band members every week. <laughs> they come early. I give them a nice little uh, gift card at the end of the year, but that's really about it. They're doing it for Jesus. I appreciate when Eric says, let's honor them um, because they do need that. It'd be so easy just to say, you know, let somebody else do it. Thank you so much. When we honor people, it's really a way of honoring God to say that you're a person of value. And I believe God smiles on us when we do it. We're honoring the Lord when we honor people that are like the Epaphroditus in the church who sacrifice, give, make commitments, they're obedient even to the, their cost, 
They show courage. And here at Mosaic Church, I believe every Christian church should honor people like that, to give them the respect and hold them in high regard. And we tip our hat to people like that. One of the things I love about our church is that, you know, we don't play the social status game here. You know, you could be a head honcho in state government or university, or you could be someone that would not be considered that. I hope that you feel like this is a level playing ground, that we all are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's go one step further and make sure we honor those who deserve to be honored. I pray that gets cut uh, into our DNA, our culture, and that we begin to begin to verbally and physically express gratefulness to those who come before us. I thank uh, even the church that sold us the church. We, we would not be here if it wasn't for them taking care of this property and then selling to us. And even before them, there was a, it's still the church that still exists, Christian Heritage. It was the originator of this church. So I thank the Lord for them. And then downstairs, even though it says... Um, we call it the Fellowship Hall. The, the real name we call it is Hayden Hall uh, because our old church was on Hayden Road. And that pastor, Pastor Sullivan and his team, uh, they worked so hard for us to be in that building and for us to get here. So in other words, we're connected to history. We didn't get here by ourselves. And I just want to say thank you to, and I have said thank you to those who've gone before us. Our parents, I you know, lost my dad three years ago and my mom's not doing great but I honor them. You know, my mom and dad were not perfect, far from perfect, my dad especially, but he did some really big things right, and I honor him today for that. You know, he never went to any of my t-ball games, baseball games, and never saw him at any sporting games, but he gave me a roof, gave me food, made me go to church, and for that, I'll be forever grateful for his life. So there are people we can be grateful to. I believe God wants us to, to do that. So two things before we leave. I'm going to ask Joanne and the team, or Bryce and the team to come on up. Uh, is who's Timothy? Who are you pouring into? And who's pouring into your life? And the last thing is that we would begin to establish a culture of honor to those who are the Epaphroditus. They don't actually have to be older but they definitely show signs of obedience to the Lord, co-workers, fellow believers. Let's go ahead and pray. You're going to say, with, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Pastor Mario, I, I, I need someone to really uh, speak into my life spiritually. That's you, just raise your hand. I know we come to church, but you, you can say, I could use a personal person. Amen. Hands going up every place. And then last one, you're going to say, Pastor Mario, I could definitely do better in, in the area of honoring those who've of faith, who've gone and, and have fought the fight and are, are fighting right now. And I, I could do better in the area of honoring. That's you just raise your hand. Yes, me too. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I say thank you for the the book of Philippians, Lord, has taught us so much. Taught us how to take on the title of saint. 
It taught us to, to live up to that so far, and it's taught us to how to, how to deal with when uh, bad things happen to good people. Lord, you've taught us so many things in this book, and now, Lord, you're teaching us how to be better disciples and how to be, better, to be discipled. Lord, how to better cult, uh, honor a culture of, have a culture of honor. Thank you, Father. Help us to be a church that will bring you the greatest glory. Where we are here together, in this together, for your glory, to expand your kingdom, to make your name great. Love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's finish our time this morning by uh, singing this song. Let's go ahead and stand. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.